In our last episode, we delved into the intricate tapestry of Praveen's life, exploring the nuances of his character and the pivotal decision that led him to Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. Little did anyone know that his choice would become a watershed moment, altering the trajectory of Praveen's existence forever. Fast forward to the fateful morning of Wednesday, February 12, 2014. Praveen, motivated by dreams and ambitions, bid farewell to his family in the early hours, embarking on a journey that would tragically mark the final time they would see him alive. The simple act of waving goodbye held profound weight, as life's unpredictability hung in the air, leaving Praveen's loved ones unaware of the irreversible change approaching. By 9 a.m., Praveen arrived in the quiet town of Carbondale, a backdrop for the unfolding story. A simple text to his mother became a fleeting connection, a digital reassurance that he had safely reached his destination. Little did anyone anticipate that these would be the last digital echoes from Praveen. As the day unfolded, a seemingly ordinary afternoon took an unexpected turn. A call from Praveen revealed his plans to hit the gym, diligently preparing for a social studies test looming on the horizon. However, in the intricate dance of fate, lovely Praveen's mother remained blissfully unaware that the day held more than just academic pursuits. Unbeknownst to her, a party was on the horizon, marking a twist in Praveen's journey that would cast a shadow on the night. Join us as we unravel the events leading to that fateful night, exploring the intricate details of life cut short and the profound impact it left on those who held Praveen close to their hearts. In this episode, we navigate the realms of unpredictability, capturing the essence of a moment that would change everything. Staying here that extra day, now I, when I look back, I think, you know, the good Lord was giving us an extra day, you know, to have him here and to have that kind of conversation. Like we knew that he didn't have a girlfriend, uh, you know, those kind of things. I think we never had, I mean, we had conversations like we had always given them the freedom to find whoever they like. We always said, find a Christian, you know, that's all our demand was. Um, other than that, no, we there wasn't anything unusual that happened. Uh, you know, it was a typical Praveen. Wednesday, February 12th, 2014, Lovely got a call from Praveen late in the afternoon that was the last time because he you know he said he just came back from gym gym was something that he would never um avoid you know that he, th- there is no excuse for it you know for him he walked everywhere he went to gym every day he wanted to he, he was not a very heavy boy he was like only 150 pounds uh five five six five seven but he kept his body so well. That was something so important to him. So um, when I when we talked to him, you know, I picked up the phone when he called. So then he said, where's daddy? So we both talked to him and we said goodbye. We love you. 
and but you know and then he told us he has a sociology test the next day he had some other tests that day you know things like that just the college things and he said how is everything at home are you guys doing okay um so that went by fine there was nothing unusual with that conversation on the morning of thursday february 13th lovely woke up to an inexplicable malaise eclipsing her usual capacity for productivity this pervasive unease a fusion of maternal instinct a potential spiritual signal from praveen or perhaps a divine whisper manifested itself in a manner that defied easy explanation whatever the genesis lovely harbored an acute awareness that something was amiss and thursday i woke up with this i still cannot explain what that feeling was something so heavy in my heart i don't know what it was i didn't feel good so after uh, my husband went to work early and i i was supposed to start work at 8 but i just could not function i took my youngest one to school and i decided to go to uh, employee health and take a day off and on the way to the hospital i'm in the car just crying i have no idea why i was crying so when when i got there instead of going to the employee health i went straight to the chapel and i just sat there and cried and you know like two kids in college you always have their way you know and i always always prayed please keep them good you know don't uh, put them in any harm things like you know i always prayed for them but this heavy feeling i couldn't explain i sat there for a good half an hour and then i went to the clinic um took a day off came back home i just fell asleep in the couch here i did not eat all day In this moment we witness the convergence of the ethereal and the tangible where a mother's intuition transcends the boundaries of the ordinary inviting us to explore the depths of interconnectedness that bind us to god Definitely definitely and now i know that is the time that praveen was passing you know so i think that motherly connection with your child and and there was the sign from god i absolutely believe that's what it was now i know and in the evening when i went to school to pick up my daughter she's like mommy were you crying what happened i said i don't know i i don't feel good i came home i did not cook a thing i called my husband and i said i did not cook anything can you get something on the way so he brought you know the greek food gyros i love gyros but he came home after the shower we took the food i could not eat i did not touch the food you know i was i'm i was born and raised in my dad is a priest and we are uh, orthodox so in orthodox religion if you lose somebody close like immediate family you don't eat meat or fish or anything like that for 40 days. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably what was happening 
in me i could not touch the food i put it back in the fridge and i my husband said what's wrong with you i said i don't know something is ro- bothering me so i'm sitting by the computer we usually have our tv on every night and that's when you know the kids call and you can see their caller id on the tv and we didn't we didn't turn the tv on that day so i'm just sitting by the computer the phone rings and i pick up then it was around 9 so i pick up the phone thinking it's praveen as lovely hesitantly lifted the receiver an unfamiliar voice resonated on the other end an ominous prelude to a phone call that embodies every parent's darkest apprehensions it is the kind of call that sends shivers down the spine an unwelcome intrusion into the tranquility of familial life hey and then a strange voice from there and he said hi and i said i said who is this and then the voice is like this is um, is praveen home and, I, and then i said who is this and he said this is carbondale police i'm like oh my god what was you your thought so when you when you heard that my heart just stopped and i said and then he asked again is praveen home and i said praveen is in carbondale sir is something wrong and and then he said um, if praveen calls you this is my number just tell him to call here and i, I i'm writing the number but you know it's i'm in some other some other world because i'm trying to process everything like i'm hearing is praveen home it's carbondale police and then i i he was about to hang up and i said is everything okay sir in the realm of parental nightmares this conversation is one we fervently wish to evade a haunting transmission that propels us into a world of unimaginable anguish and heart-wrenching uncertainty and then i and then he said his cousin reported him missing i was like oh my god i just screamed from here an unsettling truth unfolded unbeknownst to her praveen's cousin had reported him missing setting in motion a frantic search characterized by a desperate urgency in their quest to locate praveen they treaded cautiously aware of the delicate balance between unraveling the mystery and avoiding unnecessary alarm for his unsuspecting parents between between my daughter and the cousin and the friends they had you know they were in a panic mode they had no idea how to tell us this lovely got the call at 9 p.m. on that evening when ashley contacted my daughter it was like around 7:00 i think in the evening so between the two hours uh, we knew so after the police hang up i just screamed and i i i screamed and i told my husband they can't find wawa you know we call him wawa at home and the next thing i see is my husband is in the living room here we have a big cross hanging on the wall he's hugging the cross and he's crying mm. so we jumped into the car immediately and meanwhile i called ashley i ca- i called praveen's phone so many times and it went to the voicemail i immediately knew something 
is wrong because with Praveen, you call him once, twice, and you leave a nasty message. Evadada, you know, where are you? Immediately, I get a call back. That right. wasn't happening. So I knew something happened. Never, ever Praveen ignored a phone call or a text. Yes, 100% I knew something was wrong. So I called Priya. Priya was crying. You know, she's like, I don't know, mommy. I don't know what happened to Ava. Um, you know, Ashley, Ashley called. They don't know. So they, they were all like in, in such panic. We got into the car. My brother-in-law came with us. I have no idea how we drove that far. It's six hours. My husband was crying and I was calling his phone. I was calling everybody to find out if anybody heard from him. And then I kept on saying, he's gone, he's gone. And then my, my husband was like, don't say that. Just sit there and pray. He'll, he'll be back. He'll be back. But, you know, something in me was telling me, no, this is not normal for Praveen. It's not. So, uh, to to see him alive again to me i was like i feel like he he's we can't find him by the time they got to carbondale it was four in the morning on february 14th so we got there we got to the they were um my praveen ashley and another boy by name nate they were sharing a townhouse so we got there and by the time Priya's friends brought her over from St. Louis. So she was already there by the time we got there. We took Ashley and we we went to the police station. And there was just a, a on-duty police there. And they were the ones who took the police reports from Ashley, uh, the missing report. And the, that officer said, we cannot do anything till um, seven o'clock in the morning. That's when the detectives are going to be here. In that critical moment, Lovely's mind must have been a tumultuous sea of worry and uncertainty. The phone call from the police conveying that her son Praveen was missing likely triggered a surge of fear and anxiety. See, at that time, from everybody, you know, my husband, my brother-in-law, my daughter, they all are saying, we are going to find him, we are going to find him. So in my mind... I'm thinking maybe he he went with somebody. You know that is that is something that I I could not believe that Praveen would do that. But my 100% um, thinking in my head was somebody took him. However, it's plausible that amidst the distress, there could have been a flicker of hope or a yearning for reassurance. Perhaps Lovely grappled with the thought that Praveen might be with someone, a friend or acquaintance, unaware of the commotion he left behind. And he can't, he's in a position where he cannot call us. So from then on, that was the only thing in my head. So when this police is saying we have to wait till 7 o'clock, in my mind, I'm like every minute that we are waiting, we are wasting it wasting time. In such moments of crisis, the human mind often oscillates between worst-case scenarios and the possibility of a more benign explanation. It's this delicate balance of fear and hope, the emotional roller coaster of not knowing, that likely shaped Lovely's mindset 
as she embarked on that six-hour journey into the unknown. You know, Carbondale was a strange place for us. The only time we went was to see Praveen, just to the college and that's all. We never knew anything around that area. So we went to um, a hotel nearby. We took a room and we stayed there till like six o'clock, 6.30. And, um, and then we went back to the police station and we waited till the detectives came. And two of them met with us in the office. And one said, you know, you, you don't have to worry. All college kids do this been there done that mm. um, and uh, and I said no not Praveen I said Praveen would never ever do something like this he knows if he doesn't answer the phone or if we can't get a hold of him he knows that his parents will be here in five hours so he's never going to do anything like that without telling anybody you know, he, he's in trouble, I said. There is something wrong. He He's in danger. To understand the story better, we have to go back to the house party on February 12th, 2014. 12th night, they all went to the party. Praveen, Ashley, uh, Nate, Kyle, and the other boy, um, Oliver Rose. So they all went. They all went in one car, parked the car at Sticks. Uh, that's where Ashley and Nate worked at that time. So they parked the car there and walked into this place where the party was. It was 606 West College. That is the address of that street. That's where this party was and they went there and Ashley and Nate had work. So they left early. And Praveen was supposed to come back to Sticks, so they they all can come back home. That's how the that's what the plan was, but Praveen never made it to Sticks, so we had no idea what happened. So when Ashley and Nate finished work, they did not see Praveen. They thought he went back home. You know, like I said, Praveen walked everywhere. This their townhouse was walking distance from this party. So they thought Praveen probably went back home because, you know, they thought because of the test, he wanted to study and went back home. In the morning, Ashley went to class. Praveen's room was locked. It was usual, you know, they all, these kids lock their rooms. Nobody leaves them open. So he went to class and in the afternoon, Ashley gets a te uh, text from Kyle. Kyle was in the same program with Praveen, criminal justice program, and they had the same class. And he texted saying, where's Praveen? He didn't come to class. And Ashley responded, I don't know. So, you know, they started calling. He wasn't answering. And then Kyle got worried because of the test. Praveen never missed a test. So he said, this is very unusual, where is he? You know, now we can see all those texts back and forth between those kids. Right. So they came back and they could not, you know, they came back and tried to open the door. It was locked. They thought it's locked from inside and they went and got the um, landlord 
and he came and he opened the door he was sent there mm. so that's when they decided to call priya and they they filed uh, they went to the police station and filed the missing uh, police report in this moment of excruciating uncertainty all lovely and her family can do is wait for the police clinging to the fragile threads of hope and grappling with the absence of a guidebook for malayali parents facing such harrowing situations so we sat in the uh, living room of the town house you know like waiting and waiting by then uh, like my siblings and all they they all came in from here um so we all were like we didn't know what to do and then they called us uh, they like they called and said they are going to have um, a helicopter do a search so maybe like an hour or two later we heard um, a helicopter go around the college um, and then in the evening they wanted us to come to the police station for a briefing so we went there and they told us what they were going to do they said uh Praveen was at a party so we have to interview all those students all those people who were at the party to get a good picture we don't have a we don't have any lead so they were just um trying to interview people get information things like that so it wasn't going anywhere other than the helicopter thing the lack of a prescribed set of actions leaves them navigating uncharted emotional waters relying on instincts and the support of each other to weather the storm of anxiety this is a journey into the unknown where every passing moment intensifies the ache of not knowing and the strength of family bonds becomes their only guide as fate would have it or perhaps guided by a divine intervention Lovely found herself driving around Carbondale in search of a motel. In a twist of providence, the chosen motel not only provided them with shelter for the night, but unexpectedly brought them closer to Praveen. So we drove around and we came to this uh this motel um and can you imagine we ended up staying in a hotel um that hotel was just 500 yards from the place where Praveen was found oh, wow. we had no idea how we ended up in that hotel so we go in there and they it's owned by some indian people so they gave us a room we took two rooms you know by then all our uh, my brother my sisters family my husband's siblings they all came in so we took couple rooms and the room that we stayed if you look through the window you can see highway 13 that's a um, that's a highway um, i mean highway 13 is seen in the police report quite often now so you can see that and in front of you it's the woods so i stood there and i told my sister a million times what if somebody took him through this road what if somebody took him the malayali community known for its tight knit bonds swiftly rallied together upon hearing the distressing news of praveen's disappearance 
Carbondale became inundated with Malayali families and friends, all joining forces in a collective effort to support Lovely and her family during this challenging time. Saturday by Saturday morning, the whole place was filled with people from our church, from Detroit, St. Louis, Priya's friends, the college friends. All the hotel rooms in Carbondale was booked. People were like just coming in. And then they started to print flyers. They started to go in groups looking for him. They created a Facebook group called Find Praveen. Hmm. So a group went to the police station that morning, Saturday morning. And that's when they, the police told them that they were going to use the dogs for a search. And um, so this, the, the youth from our church uh, volunteered, you know, to join them. And they're like, no, we don't need your help. In times of crisis, the strength of community becomes a beacon of hope. And the unity of the Malayali community shines through as they come together to navigate the uncertainties surrounding Praveen's disappearance. He was the secretary from our church and he came to me and he said, uh, Amame, um, you know, why don't we offer a reward money? You know, until then, none of those hit me. Mm. You know, I, I I don't know what was really happening. You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, the police is looking for him. People are looking for him. So we are in the hotel and this guy is telling me about the reward money. That's when me and my husband is like, yeah. So we thought, okay. So he's like, start with 5,000. So then my nephew started that page and he said, uh, reward money, $5,000. And people started to donate money into the uh, thing. And it started to go up like immediately, you know, like people were putting money in. And then um, by evening it went up to like 15,000 in the upcoming part three a crucial revelation unfolds offering a reward for information becomes the pivotal factor in unraveling the mystery surrounding Praveen's disappearance I don't know if you know Mariama Pillai she passed away she was one of the really big figure in in, in Malayali community and she's like a She's like a mother to me, and she's also from our church. Right. And she she was she called, and she's like, "Lovely, you know, the money keeps going up. What if somebody has him, mm. and they see this money going up? These people are putting money in, and they are they probably are going to wait and see how much it's going to go up, and you know, until then they may hold him as a hostage. Mm. So." So then we said, okay, we are going to put a hold on to the um, a fund. So we put a hold when it reached 15000 Fast forward to Saturday, February 15th, 2014. Three agonizing days since Praveen was reported missing. The Martlemite community of Chicago, joined by Praveen's friends, converges on Carbondale in a collective and desperate effort to locate him. In a dramatic twist... The Carbondale police pose a question to Lovely that will send gasps through anyone listening. Um, so then, but Saturday evening when we met with the police, they are like, 
uh, we still don't have any lead uh, sunday we are not going to do any search because we don't have enough police officers so we are standing in the hallway in the police station you know like you can imagine we all were like exhausted by then right. like you, you you have a kid missing you have no idea what's happening but then then one of the officers asked so when are you going back to chicago and that came as a shock to me you know and i'm like wow the intensity of the moment reaches a new height at this pivotal question so i said what going back i said i'm not going back to chicago until we find our son you know we are not mm-hmm. so then you know when they said they are not going to do any search on sunday and i i everything was like such a blur to me and then uh, this officer said if we don't have any um any lead by monday we have to call off the search oh wow yeah so you know so i, I we are like we don't know what to do so we came back sunday morning um this news stations started to call us there's only two tv cha- i mean three tv channels in carbondale Mm. um and couple newspapers so they one of the tv station called us and asked for an interview and they all were contacting my daughter um you know before that the police put out a flyer um saying white male 57 and i said pravin is not white so i i told the detective i said pravin is not white and he said that's the only way to get some attention here Wow. But they are going to people are you know Praveen's name is spelled differently than what the Indian uh, spelling is it's P R A V I N so people won't know this is an Indian boy and Varghese is not a name that north indians usually recognize there are no malayali and only two or three malayali families in carbondale rest of them are all the indians are north indians they won't recognize that name first of all and if you don't say this is an indian boy they are not going to look for somebody you know they are going to look for a white boy and then they changed the version saying white male with dark complexion in a shocking turn of events despite efforts to clarify praveen's identity as an indian individual the police proceeded to print out flyers that erroneously label him as a white male the absurdity of this oversight is bound to leave listeners gasping in disbelief this baffling twist highlights the complexities of communication and the potential consequences of such misunderstandings in the ongoing search for answers i posed a question to lovely i asked her did you have a positive outlook after this many days i I did not at that point I just wanted to find him you know like in my mind he was already gone but to me I could not live with that feeling of not knowing where my kid is you know when you like a missing person that's unbelievable i was getting hundreds of messages on 
on my inbox you know people mothers who are missing their children they are praying you know like it was all over so even then i'm like i have to find him i cannot live like this i not not knowing you know where my kid is so sunday when the uh, media called my daughter came and asked us and my husband did not want to give an interview because he was like really um he's he just kind of i think he was in such a shock that he didn't know what to do right you know so i told him i said we have to get his face on the media because people need to see who this who this person is so we said yeah we will give an interview so sunday evening we i mean sunday we gave an interview and they aired it sunday evening mm-hmm. and now we know that was the beginning of all this unraveling of things if we did not do that media interview this never would have happened so that went on sunday um so like i said they were going to call off the search by monday morning um so i told maria mapula and then there is this gladson vergis he's also a very prominent figure in malayali community he knew the lieutenant governor of illinois sheila simon mm-hmm. she is from carbondale so he called her and told her about all this and said you know they are going to stop the search on monday can you do something she called the carbondale police and said mm-hmm. you need to continue the search that was the only reason they continued so monday morning we go and meet with the deputy police chief you know we never met the actual police chief all those days we were there he never came to meet with us hmm. uh, this is the guy who cried on uh, uh, the investigation discovery piece i mean it's pretty pathetic we hmm. never saw him you know so it was always the detectives and the deputy so we go in there in a big conference room uh, the deputy police chief and then uh, detectives and then the SIU police chief was also there see SIU they did not send a mass email saying there was a student missing they did not do anything uh, one of my coworkers son was also a student and at SIU he found out from his mom through my work that you know oh yeah so even the students in SIU didn't know because the college did not send an email out dealing with the bureaucratic hurdles misunderstandings and communication mishaps only adds to the complexity of an already distressing situation each obstacle encountered in getting information out about Praveen's disappearance becomes a roadblock in the search for answers. Listeners can empathize with Lovely as she navigates these frustrating challenges, highlighting the often overlooked difficulties that families face in times of crisis. So Monday morning we go in there, the first thing we hear is like we don't appreciate you talking to the media. Um you are not supposed to talk to the media, that's going to affect the investigation. um uh, if you have anything to say to the media it has to, you have to go through the college mm-hmm. their pr person so then i said 
sir we did not say anything bad about the police i you know even in the interview i said the police is doing everything they can you know i'm not saying anything that they did wrong or anything um but then they said you know you should not so they gave us a time to do a press conference for tuesday at 2 o'clock and and he said uh, the dean will contact you their you know dean of the student affairs will contact you so and then he said we are continuing the search uh, we have to look into the words um, so e- even from the beginning my daughter kept on asking them you know is there any words is there any creeks you know like they 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 always said oh no no there is nothing like that but then when they started saying about words uh, the police said some of them are under private property so they need to get the permission from those people to go into those areas and search and all that so you know the, all these things that you're hearing it's like it's just foreign to you so monday evening we met with the police again and they still didn't have any lead and um so then i told them i said you know i'm willing to accept the worst but you need to find him mm. i cannot live my life wondering where my kid is i don't want to like you know when you go to uh, places you see all these rust areas and you see all these missing person pictures there yeah. i said i don't want my son to be one of them mm. i said i have to find him i cannot live like this um so monday we came back and then the call the province friends had arranged a vigil that day monday evening um and we were going to go to that and uh, see there were few north indian professors that would come to us and talk to us and all that the indian um community indian association there uh, he his name is suresh he used to come and his wife was province psychology professor she was out of town when this happened uh, but then she came back that weekend so she came to see us uh, monday and she asked us whether we went to the house where the party was see by then there was this tweet that praveen sent out bloody knuckles guess i was in a fight all that that went on like crazy so people assumed that there was a fight right um see that's all i knew too so she asked us if we went to the house and we said no and she's like oh after the vigil i can take you there so we went for the vigil um it was arranged by province friends but a lot of siu students and the professors they all were there the media was there and after um after the vigil uh, one guy came to priya and she said can you show uh, your brother's picture i i think it's the same guy that i'm thinking of but i just wanted to know so she showed a picture and she's like oh my god yes i used to see him in the gym all the time 
you know he used to talk to me about his family i had no idea there are christians in india but he taught me all that and he he said one of the disciples of christ came to india and he's the one who started christianity and you know he was telling us all these things and then we were like oh my god praveen praveen knew this much history you know <laughs> and then he said he used to tell us how hard your parents work uh, to put them through college and they are immigrants you know things like that and he said even if we don't see praveen anymore in this world um, you can be assured that he's a faithful person and he is with jesus christ Wow. And I think Priya yeah Priya made a post after Praveen was found and she's like during this whole time my only consolation is this stranger's words. Mm. You know that was like unbelievable. As part 2 of Praveen Varghese's gripping story comes to a close it's evident that this isn't just a typical podcast. It's a deeply personal conversation with Lovely. Yet, amidst the struggles and frustrations, there remains a glimmer of hope, a beacon that promises to shine even brighter in part three of this astounding narrative. Join us as we continue this intimate journey with Lovely, navigating through the complexities of her experience and discovering this resilience that fuels her quest for answers. Part three holds the promise of unveiling the twists and turns that lead to that glimmer of hope in the face of adversity for the next chapter in this extraordinary story exclusively on the Vpod with Vinu Joseph on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or on any of your favorite podcast channels